Hello, my friend. If you're a pastor, this podcast is for you. My name is Dean Taylor, and this is Episode 9 of Shepherdology. And we're going to jump right in this time to our episode without our usual introduction music. I have a lot to talk about in this episode, and I want to make sure that I use my time well. In fact, I saw a tweet this past week from someone who said they don't listen to podcasts longer than 30 minutes, and I tend to agree with that. I like to keep these manageable for you so that they don't take up a lot of time. So we're going to dive right in, and I want to start with an encouraging truth, like I always do, because that is my heart. I want to be a friend to pastors, and I know that pastors grow discouraged. There are daily discouragements as well as sometimes major issues that cause discouragement. And I want you to to provide something that is a source of encouragement for you. I was reading in the beginning of the book of Nehemiah this past week. And just for my own personal reading and devotion time, I was reading Nehemiah's prayer right at the very beginning of the book of Nehemiah. And he faced some very difficult circumstances, and I think pastors can identify with this. He said in Nehemiah chapter 1, they said to me, that is the people from Judah who came to see him, and they said, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So Nehemiah's circumstances or the ones that that he was concerned about could be described as great trouble causing disappointment and the the walls were broken down and destroyed so things were in really really bad shape and his response was that he sat down and he actually it says he wept and he mourned in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 for days so it impacted him deeply And, of course, he was involved in a great cause, the return to Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. But you're involved in a great cause as the pastor of a church. You're involved in Christ's church-building work. And sometimes you look at a situation, or you're involved with a family, or maybe an individual, or there's some conflict between people, or maybe even a a conflict within the body of Christ, within the church, and you would say, you know, there's there's real trouble here, and I'm I'm deeply disappointed, and this is this is causing me great trouble, and there are relationships that are broken down. The work of God is is being broken down and destroyed. Things are in bad shape, and you find yourself discouraged as Nehemiah wept and mourned. Maybe you are even at a place where you find yourself weeping in your heart, if not actually crying real tears and mourning. But you know what Nehemiah did? He prayed. And listen to his prayer. He says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. O great and awesome God, you can pray that way. In fact, I encourage you to spend some time reading over Nehemiah chapter 1 and think about your circumstances and the problems you're facing and 
and the discouragement that it might be causing you or the deep hurt or or disappointment or or even being in a place of grief because of what's happening in your ministry, maybe even in your own family. And then cry out to the Lord, God, you are great and awesome. You are greater than the problems I face. Your strength is greater than the weakness I feel. And rather than being in awe and terror of my circumstances or of these difficulties, I want to be in awe of you. You are an awesome God, and you always keep your your promises, and you have made a covenant with me through Christ, and you are the covenant-keeping God. And then Nehemiah uses this word that we find throughout the Old Testament. That's such a rich word. Hesed is the Hebrew word. Steadfast love, it's how it's translated in the ESV. In fact, what I've read about this word is that there, it just can't really be, even be translated into English because there's so many layers of meaning and it is so rich in, in its significance. So, so reach out in your heart and cling to that truth of his steadfast, covenant-keeping love. Nehemiah goes on to say, with those who love him and keep his commandments. And my pastor friend, that's you. You love God. You love Jesus Christ. You're trying to do his will. You're serving him. And, and so that, that, the, the way that Nehemiah cried out to the Lord is a way that you can as well. And I won't read through the whole prayer, but he, he, he makes requests, and he says, hear my prayer. He confesses sin. He says, remember your covenant and remember your people. And at the end of the prayer, he, he says, give success to your servant today. <laughs> There's a great prayer for you, my pastor friend. Give success to your servant today, because you want to be successful in what God's called you to do, and you can ask God to help you with that. And, and he went on to say, and, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, speaking of the, the pagan king that Nehemiah was going to be appealing to, to see if he could return to Jerusalem and help rebuild the walls. And maybe you're facing some a person, an individual, or maybe a group of people in your church that are a source of discouragement and difficulty. And you can even say, Lord, just grant me mercy. Uh, help me to deal with these people. Give me an open door of ministry in this situation. So I, I commend this prayer to you, Nehemiah chapter 1. It's a great prayer. And I just want to share that with you as an encouraging truth today, that the same God that Nehemiah served and cried out to is the God that you serve and that you can cry out to in prayer as well. And you can cry out to your great and awesome God and ask him to help you and to give you success in your ministry, even in the most difficult of situations. Now we're going to turn to the topic that I've been talking about here on Shepherdology, and that is what is a healthy pastor? What is a healthy pastor? And we've spent several episodes on this already, and I'm going to continue on with it here today. I'd really like to finish this today, except for an interview that I hope to do a little bit later on with a medical doctor that will relate to this. But I hope to finish my content here today. If not, we'll finish up next time. We'll see how this goes. But we, we left off talking about some basic practices of pastoral health. Now, let me remind you that uh, pastor, pastoral health is defined, and here's how we're defining it for, for our discussion here. Pastoral health is stewardship of your body 
and cultivation of your inner man in order to most effectively fulfill your calling to shepherd the flock of God. Pastoral health is stewardship of your body and cultivation of your inner man in order to most effectively fulfill your calling to shepherd the flock of God. A healthy pastor is physically well, as physically well as possible, and has a thriving soul. Now, the basic practices that cultivate pastoral health that we've been talking about include communion with God, companionship with your wife, a close connection with each child, disciplined physical habits, disciplined mental habits, and control of your time. And that's the one we talked about last time. So in episodes seven and eight, we talked about all of those. And now I want to pick up with the next one, and I have a few more of these basic practices that cultivate pastoral health. And the next one is a team approach to ministry. If you are a lead pastor especially, or a senior pastor, or even a solo pastor, a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight is on you. And I know, I've been there, I've done both. I've been a solo pastor and a lead pastor with a pastoral staff. And there's a lot of responsibility on you, and especially depending on how the the church uh, is structured, how the leadership of the church is structured. But often there's a, a lead pastor or a solo pastor, and there's a lot of responsibility on you. And let me encourage you to identify and develop people who can work with you on a team. Now, they may be pastors, or they might be called elders, or they may be deacons or just people in the church who can share responsibility, but you need that. You need to be able to enlist and equip people to serve with you on a team in your ministry. I won't go into details of different ways of doing that. I do encourage you to read Exodus chapter 18 and read about Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, and the counsel that he gave to Moses about how to handle all of the responsibility he had with all those Israelites out in the wilderness. And Jethro gave Moses excellent advice in Exodus chapter 18. I encourage you to read over that and then follow that pattern as a way of enlisting and equipping people to serve with you on a team. So I believe that a team approach to ministry is a big part of pastoral health. Another uh, way, another basic practice of cultivating pastoral health is taking time off. One of the greatest stressors or stress points in pastoring is that it is hard for you to step out of your role. I've heard it, the term used, de-role. It's hard for you to de-role, to not be in the role of a pastor. Everywhere you go, even when you're out in the community, when you go to the hardware store, the grocery store, even when you go to somebody's anniversary celebration or birthday party or you attend a wedding, you're in pastor mode. People view you as a pastor. It's hard to step out of that role. And I just encourage you to take time off, and that includes a weekly day off. Put it in your schedule, communicate it to your people, and take it. Of course, there are times you have to be a little bit flexible, but make it up somewhere else and take a day off. I think a periodic personal retreat is one of the most healthy things a pastor can do. Two or three times a year, get away, stay someplace else overnight in a cabin or at a Christian camp or somewhere where you can be all by yourself, get away for two or three days and pray 
and commune with God and study the Word. Now, you may do some planning. You may do some sermon, long-term planning, something like that. But just pull back and get away for that time. So a weekly day off, a personal retreat periodically through the year, two or three times a year, and then an annual extended vacation. Two weeks is optimal. Don't feel guilty. Set up deacons who can be on call. Get somebody to preach. If there are people around you that can do pulpit supply, use them. If not, get somebody in your church to do it. You've got to plan ahead so that they can work ahead on that. But you need that time away. And many times it takes a week or almost a week just to decompress and to pull your mind away from the, the weight of responsibility of your church and to actually enjoy being where you are and being with your family. So an annual extended vacation, two weeks is optimal. Don't feel guilty about it. Just do it. Now listen, you need to take time off. And one of the greatest motivations and and I would say justifications for that, is Jesus Christ himself. Mark one thirty five records that Jesus in the morning, rising up a great while before day, went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. He did this after expending physical and spiritual energy in preaching and ministering to the needs of individual people. And Jesus regularly retreated for the express purpose of prayer. You can read about it in Mark chapter 6, Matthew 14, Luke 6, Luke 22. And listen to this. Jesus in Mark 6, 31, encouraged his disciples this way. Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. That's Mark 6.31. Pastor, if Jesus and his disciples needed time off, needed to step away, needed to rest, so do you. You need it. And so take that time, and that, I believe, is a key component in the life of a healthy pastor, taking time off. And I would include uh, in, in that uh, attending a conference, uh, once a year, so let me let me review, take time off, a weekly day off, periodic personal retreat, annual extended vacation, and then an annual conference. You need to listen and to be fed. Ask for it to be put in the budget or included in your, your salary package, and just make sure that you include that because you need to be fed and nourished, and you need fellowship. So find a good conference and go. So those are basic practices that we're talking about now of, of being a healthy pastor. We just talked about a team approach to ministry, taking time off, and let me give you two more. Enjoy outside pursuits. By outside, I mean other than pastoring. Now, you might be outside in the sense of being outdoors, and that's great, hiking, hunting, fishing, but just have, have a hobby. Find something that you can enjoy doing that is not pastoring, that is not ministry, Maybe you're athletic, or maybe you just enjoy pickup basketball or, or tennis or running, or maybe you're into triathlons. Maybe there's a group that you can get involved in, in your community that does something that you enjoy. I'm telling you, just getting outdoors is one of the greatest ways that you can refresh your mind as well as your body. Will you listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon in lectures to my students? He has a, a chapter called A Pastor's Fainting Fits, which is kind of a funny, funny name for the chapter, but it really describes what happens to pastors. You get discouraged, you get weary, 
uh, you get tired and you kind of get to the place where you want to give up. Um, listen, listen to these words. Spurgeon says, sedentary habits have a tendency to create despondency in some constitutions, meaning some people's personalities or, or physical makeup. He says, to sit long in one posture, poring over a book or driving a quill, we might say tapping the keyboard, is in itself a taxing of nature. Add to this a badly ventilated chamber, a body which has long been without muscular exercise, and a heart burdened with many cares. And we have all the elements for preparing a seething cauldron of despair, especially in the dim months of fog. And I think he's talking about the the foggy season there in, in England. So weather can have an effect on us as well. We have long winters up here in the north. So that's a great little quote of, of what happens to us physically and mentally, even spiritually. Now listen to what he says. He, he encourages walks in nature, and he says, The ferns and the rabbits, the streams and the trouts, the fir trees and the squirrels, the primroses and the violets, the farmyard, the new-mown hay, and the fragrant hops— These are the best medicine for hypochondriacs, the surest tonics for the declining, the best refreshments for the weary. And I'm telling you, I think he's right, my pastor friend. Just go take a walk. Just walk down the road, walk down the street, or find a little patch of woods or a state park, and especially on your day off. And just go for a 30-minute or an hour walk or longer Enjoy God's creation, breathe the fresh air, listen to the birds, puts a smile on your face, and it's so refreshing. So enjoy outside pursuits on a regular basis, and I want to encourage you to just get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. Now, the last practice, basic practice for a healthy pastor is to have mutually encouraging friendships, mutually encouraging friendships. And again, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I encourage you to have friends. Pastors need friends. Uh, one thing I've, I've heard of some pastors doing is uh, just connecting with a pastor in a nearby, maybe in their city or town or in a nearby town, if there isn't anybody in your town, and meet up once a month. Just plan coffee or breakfast or lunch and just get together. You don't have to have any deep conversation or be reading through a book together. I mean, you might do that. But just get together and, and have a friend and talk about life and, and sure, pray for each other uh, as well. But having a mutually encouraging friendship is a big part, I think, of being a healthy pastor. So those are some bra- basic practices. And I want to move now to what I see as some threats to a pastor's health. What can threaten your physical wellness and thriving in your soul as a pastor? I see, first of all, some potential internal threats. There are threats that we experience in our minds, or we might say in our hearts. And the first one is just, are the innate human weaknesses that are intensified by great spiritual responsibility? You know, we all still have our flesh, and you have spiritual weaknesses, and you and I have besetting sins. And, and those are intensified sometimes by the, the weight of, re, of spiritual responsibility that we have or just our weariness sometimes. Um, some people are just easily discouraged. Some people, like I think Timothy in the Bible, are more susceptible to, to growing discouraged. We all feel inadequacy 
and that's true in any church, but especially if you have a church with either some serious problems or multiple difficult issues, or sometimes even things going really, really well um, adds to the weight of responsibility. Ministry is more than anyone can handle. So just those innate human weaknesses that are intensified by great spiritual responsibility are threats to a pastor's health. Here's another one that I think is is really a big source of, of discouragement and difficulty. Misplaced identity. Misplaced identity. You see, as a pastor, we naturally connect our identity with the church. You know, so who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And if difficult things are happening or there are problems in the church or there's criticism about what's happening in the church, you take that very personally. But let me just tell you something. Your identity, first of all, is a man. You are a frail human being. You are like the grass that withers and fades, as Psalm 103 says. So you're a man, but you are also a Christian in union with Jesus Christ. And you are a member of the body of Christ. You are joined to the body of Christ, and you are vital to the body of Christ. If you're married, you're a husband. If you're a dad, you're a father. You're a neighbor. You're a community member. This is who you are. Yes, you're a pastor. But your sense of well-being has to be distinct from the condition of the church. Because misplaced identity can be a threat to your health. And along with that, response to criticism and hurt. People will criticize you. They will say and do hurtful things to you. And your natural tendency might be to get angry. You may grow resentful. You may become cynical toward people and their problems. And I've even seen where a man's heart grows cold and hard toward people and the ministry and even God. The way that you respond to that criticism and hurt can be an internal threat to your your well-being, your health. Another internal threat to a pastor's health is the fear of man, worrying about what people will think. How will influential people respond? What about the decisions you make for you and your family? What will people think of them? I heard of one pastor who, who was struggling in his marriage, and he was afraid to ask for counsel. In fact, when when the church became aware that he and his wife were getting counsel for their marriage, the church let him go because they didn't want a pastor who was getting marital counseling. Wow, what a sad situation. And there can be a fear for your people to know that you need help or maybe some other area where you're struggling. So the fear of man can hurt you. And then just sin If there's sin in your heart, sin in your life, it affects your relationship with God. It wastes time. It distracts you from ministry. You're burdened with guilt. A pastor with a decaying heart will cause the death of a church. So these are internal threats to a pastor's health. But there are external threats as well. Church decline. If the church is shrinking and people are leaving, or it isn't growing, you may begin to wonder, am I the problem? Uh, People's expectations can be unrealistic, can be unbiblical. Criticism and hurt, again, this is what I mentioned a few minutes ago. So so your internal response to criticism and hurt can, can be unhealthy, but also just the circumstances and the people that cause them 
And when they're critical of your wife or your children or you hear hard words in a business meeting, again, you can become resentful, cold-hearted, and angry. Conflict among church members or between you and church members can hurt your pastoral health. A major crisis in an individual life weighs heavily on you. People in caring professions experience what is known as vicarious trauma and compassion fatigue. You might want to search that, take a look at that, because I've experienced that where uh, someone in my church has gone through just a tragic situation. And as a pastor, I have been there for them and ministered to them through it. But it has traumatized my own heart. Compassion fatigue, when you're caring for people, especially over a long, difficult ordeal, maybe a terminal illness or just a long-standing problem, you, you get compassion fatigue. So, so those are areas that cause us stress and weigh on us. See, pastoring is stressful, and it's even more so if your church has some serious problems. So, so those are some external threats to a pastor's health. Now, I want to turn and, and focus on protecting and recovering pastoral health. And we're nearing the end of the 30-minute mark, so I'm going to hit these pretty quickly, all right, because I do want to keep it around that time. So here we go. How do you protect and recover pastoral health? First of all, honestly evaluate where you are. Maybe involve somebody else. Look at your priorities, your schedule, your practices, your relationships, your attitude, Evaluate yourself, and then get help. Get a physical from a doctor. Maybe talk to a a friend or another pastor who can encourage and counsel you. If you're struggling with a personal issue or in your marriage or with your family, get help. Enlist help. You might need a financial advisor or even an attorney or an organizational consultant. So proactively enlist help. Honestly evaluate. Get help. Thirdly, take time away, as I've suggested and recommended to you. Take time to commune with God. Take time to regain an objective view of life and ministry. Then, remember your role and limitations. My pastor friend, there are circumstances you can't change. There are people that you can't change. There are conflicts you can't resolve. You can't turn a church around. You can't grow a church or fix all the church problems yourself, and you're not supposed to. So remember, you're a human being. Know your role. Remember your limitations. And then here's another one. Determine what your present role is and your priorities and pursue them. This comes back to that sense of mission. What should I be doing here? What has God called me here to do? How do my gifts fit the stage of maturity and growth this church is in? And how should I be exercising them? Here's another one. Have constructive conversations with your church leaders about your plan for being physically well and thriving spiritually. Talk with them. Let them listen to this podcast, these podcasts. Um, If you're in a hostile or unsupportive situation, you might need to enlist an advocate. Maybe there's one man or one deacon who understands and can, can discuss this with the others. But you need to do this. Have constructive conversations. And then I'll mention this. There are situations when you reach a stage in in your life and in the life of the church when it's time for you to step back. That's another huge topic. I'll probably talk about that that sometime. But just prayerfully evaluate. Think through it objectively. Don't 
quit out of discouragement, trust God. Let me recommend a resource to you. If you're thinking about leaving a church, here's a great resource, and I have used this two times as I have made ministry transitions. It's a book called Before You Move. Before You Move. It's by John Cianca, C-I-O-N-C-A. I encourage you to use that. Pastoral health is stewardship of your body and cultivation of your inner man in order to most effectively fulfill your calling to shepherd the flock of God. Are you physically well? What needs to change? Are you thriving in your soul? How will you cultivate your inner man? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my pastor friends who are listening to Shepherdology. And although we've talked about a lot of points today and done it fairly quickly, I pray that one or two thoughts or ideas would prompt in each of my pastor friends a way to better cultivate physical wellness and spiritual thriving. And Father, I pray that they would take this to heart and that they would experience your enabling grace, that they would know they're not alone. And just like Nehemiah, oh, great and awesome God, uh, when they're in trouble, help them to cry out to you and, and say, help your servant. Lord, help these your servants today, I pray. And I ask that wherever they are, whoever they are, that they may know of your care, your faithfulness, and that they are making more of an impact than they realize and they're being used in your church-building work, the greatest cause. And I pray this in their behalf, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you'll hang on just for a minute, I've been amazed at uh, the increasing number of, of people that are listening to this podcast and the number of downloads. And I want to thank you. Thank you for listening, because that lets me know that this is doing some good and it's reaching some hearts and uh, I had mentioned every two weeks, I think. I think I missed a week this past time. I'm, I'm aiming for for twice a month right now. Uh, so so we'll keep that up. I'd kind of like to know who you are. Would you send me a quick email to shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com or uh, tweet me at DeanHTaylor63 to say, hey, this is Dean from Johnston or whoever you are. I listen to Shepherdology. That's all you got to say. I just want to know who you are, if you don't mind. If, if you don't want to, of course, no problem. You don't have to do that. But uh, I, I just am grateful for the fact that you listen. And if you want to let me know who you are, I'd appreciate that. I'm not going to put you on an email list or anything like that. Don't worry about that. So shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com or uh, tweet at DeanHTaylor63. Thank you, my friend. And let's get together again soon, and we'll talk shepherdology. Mm-hmm.